Would you care to step outside? What did you do to this? Superman. What's wrong with you? Who are you? The lesser of has to Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to DC and RMD Stargirl Edition. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD Stargirl Edition. Or if you want access to all of our DC-related content, search for our main feed by simply typing in DC and RMD. Our preferred place for you to listen is iTunes because we need those ratings and reviews. So please be sure to give us a five-star rating. Uh, if you liked us at one point long ago, uh, please do not go back and give us a one-star. That would be very sad, wouldn't it, Bob? Yes, yeah. it would. Like, who does that? You know, uh, like, like who, who goes back and updates their. Yeah. I mean, do people actually do that? Cause I just pulled that out of my ass. I'm like, do yeah, people no, actually do that? It's never happened. It's never dawned on me to do that. Oh, geez. Wow. Dawn of a new day. Yes. Dawn of the dead. Yeah. All right. Well, the studio dog did not like that joke, Bob, because she's barking in the background. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you make bad puns. All right. So we are back for star girl. Episode four, summer school, chapter four. Okay, so this episode, we saw the return of Sportsmaster and Huntress. I like their inclusion. It felt needed in order to push Artemis's story where it needs to be. As we know, much of this season is no doubt about forming that new ISA. Um, Cindy uses Eclipso to influence Artemis, which ruins her chance as a football player. And the mystery around Eclipso and Shade continues to grow. Pat and Barb are keeping things from Courtney, which is nudging her closer to Shade in the end. And Shade is revealed to be what we had alluded to or theorized during our last discussion, that he was, in fact, being set up as more of an anti-hero than the classic villain that he usually portrays in the comic books which is setting the stage for a star girl shade team up. I don't know if that's going to end well for Courtney because shade may at this point be aligned agenda wise, but you got to remember he's still a villain. Yeah. Yeah. So at any point he's going to use Courtney's naivete against her. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely there. The setups there. It was, uh, this week's episode was one of those ones that it's like a question episode. Yeah, it's set up. It, because everything that they did, that you're just like, huh. And it's one of those things like, oh, so this is how you do a proper filler episode. What? Well, what? What? <laughs> Example A right here. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, uh, we got to go find Jeremy's dog that ran off in the forest. Yeah, or, you know, useless Monster of the Week episode, you know, 77 of a single season. Monster of the Week, is uh, Solomon Grundy going to come back? Yeah, okay, so that's, uh, that is an episode I'm not looking forward to. I'm being completely honest, because I don't, I don't know where it's going. Like, where is this going for? They're treating him like a pet at this point, and he didn't show up this week. Yeah, it's very strange. I'm not sure what they're doing with that. They keep playing with the idea. Obviously, at some point, they're going to utilize him. And I'm wondering if they're using him 
or he they will end up using him as a an ally to fight against Eclipso because we know Eclipso is very very powerful and they're going to need everyone on their team in order to you know make a dent in this villain. So we'll see what happens. I feel like they're just reminding us every week. And honestly, at this point, I don't think they really need to. Usually I'm a fan of of those narrative plants. It's something I talk about a lot. Remind us about something so it doesn't look hacky when you use it. But now they're reminding us every single episode so far. And we, I think we get it, right? I think we understand that. He's there. Yeah. And that Rick is is using him for something. He feels guilty, obviously. And it did serve a point definitely for the first couple episodes because it was about Cameron's guilt and that reflection of sort of a sorts, you know, in the mirror seeing that the true monster may in fact be himself. And now he is trying to make amends. It seems like, so we'll see where that goes. Um, But as you mentioned, this is a, a relatively simple episode, but that's not to say that it didn't do a lot in the way of, of narrative and plot progression, but it was one of those episodes that was more geared to putting those places, those pieces in place for later use. It's a breath of fresh air. Let's say that way it's not thrown in some like random three minute statement, you know, four episodes from now of why this is done uh, because of A, B, and C, and da da da. It's like, oh no, we we spent some time. We showed why it happened, and we can kind of reference it later when we need it because we know we're going to need it. I feel like this is one of the better serials on the CW, and I mean that goes without saying, I guess, because this is one of the better TV shows on the CW. Mm-hmm. But just in the way of of writing, it feels like Jeff Johns completely understands the process of writing a serial. Because he doesn't let anything go by us. You know, he does continue to remind and build and rework and then create suspense. Then he reveals what that suspense was about only to set up another mystery, another mysterious element that creates that much needed suspense again. I mean, week after week, we are ending these episodes with, you know, mini cliffhangers. What the fuck? Like in this episode with Dr. Midnight. Mm hmm. So, yes, relatively simple episode, but it did do a lot for the plot progression. Um, let's get into the Shade and Courtney aspect a little bit more, a little bit more in detail um, and this potential alliance. Now, Shade is a villain, and that's important to remember. But for the time being, it does look like his agenda will or is align with the new JSA do you feel like it is, or do you think he's still using them? At this point? Or using them. Not still, but using them. I think it's it's a use thing. I, I You said it at the beginning about Courtney and the way she acts. I, I think she's gullible. And she it, it still has like that Girl Scout, I can do anything mentality. Like she hasn't been jaded yet. Like cheerleader mentality. Yeah. Rah rah, I can do anything. Yeah, don't worry. I couldn't find anything on the internet, so I can go to the library. As long as I have spirit fingers, I can do anything. <laughs> yes. Um and I like I don't know if I want that to be broken in her, but I see somebody like this taking advantage of that in her. That if he can convince her that's you know, this is to trust him. Yes. And then, and then he betrays her. Yeah. And then she's naked on the internet. 
episode. Wait, they already did that story. Well, listen, we'll know Jeff Johns is an ultra douche if he does that again. (laughs) Based on a character that was his sister. (laughs) Oh, man, that wouldn't just be a douche. That would be creep mode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that ain't going to happen, Mike. (laughs) No. But yeah, I I feel like Shade isn't the evil of all evils. In fact, I believe that's what he said. There's a difference between bad. In fact, that line that was line so is the best line. Right? That line was so good. He's all listen. I've been known. I'm paraphrasing here. I've been known to do bad things, and bad is bad. That's not in question. I do bad things. He's all. But there's a difference between doing bad things and being evil. Yeah. And I thought that was a very strong statement. And. Talk about just putting Eclipso over. They are definitely laying down the breadwork for Eclipso to just be this doomsday type of villain. Do you? I agree. And we've talked about it in the previous episodes. Where where is all this like going? Like that statement alone put him over as something bigger than this season. To me, again, that that we're not going to get there. That. That when Jay Garrick and everybody else starts showing up, are you know we're gonna have probably six or seven episodes left, and it's just like, are we gonna set up or I don't know. I, I yeah, I know what you're saying because there is a lot of moving parts. Well, yeah, a lot. And w- and you brought this up last episode when I said, well, I guess you know we're gonna find out soon. And I'm trying to figure out what's happening. And you're like, Mike, three episodes has gone by. Yeah. We have a lot more <laughs> and it just, it, it actually hit me. I'm like, you're right. We're barely in episode three, but I forgot subconsciously because, you know, I was just thinking about how much we had been given already in three episodes. Yes. So you're right. The fact that here we are again with an episode full of setup and we know that this is a shortened season, roughly 13 to 14 episodes. I want to say, I don't want to call these shortened seasons anymore. I want to call it like pretty much the standard, the perfect season. Yeah. The 22 week episode thing is just bullshit at this point. You have to really know how to write extremely well in order to make 22, 23 episodes feel okay. Nowadays, if it's a serial, you know, because that, that is a lot. It's a lot, but that is the norm. I mean, back in the old days, episodes, uh, you know, seasons were 22 to 35 episodes. Yeah, but back in the day, we're talking about, like, n- nobody cared. Like, there was no Bonanza storyline that was going on that long. Oh, dude. Yeah, Bonanza had, like, a four-season arc of 50 episodes each season. <laughs> yeah. A stupid. And all they were trying to do was make sure the engines didn't take over their land. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the engines. It's so true. Have you recently watched an episode of Bonanza? Because that was pretty spot on, actually. I just made that up. That's, Is a, that that's what, a fair critique. I was just going based off the time frame and stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. So bringing it back to Shade and Courtney, I do feel like they're setting things up for the two of them to have this this friendship. And I feel like Courtney is probably going to end up trusting him because he is she is very trusting and she's going to end up thinking that he's on her side. And that comment, that statement, I have a feeling is going to come back because he's going to end up doing what he needs to do. And she's going to feel betrayed and he's going to say, listen, I told you I'm bad. I make bad decisions, but I'm not evil. And he's going to point to something that they just defeated. I guarantee you that's what's going to happen. You don't write a line that fucking well yeah. without it coming back and reusing it again. Oh, 100%. It is definitely going to be one of those flashback line things that you're just like, yep, this is it. It, it. It was the thing that stood out the most that that like 
interaction between the two were the the things that stood out the most mm-hmm. uh, out of this whole episode. It's the thing that again I I will take away from like for weeks that that one statement. Yeah. So. So Courtney is. It seems like she's going to build this trust or build this relationship with Shade because she needs someone who's willing to fill in the blanks because there are things going on and she's aware that she doesn't have the complete picture, that there are puzzle pieces missing. And she is also aware that Pat is possibly keeping some things away from her. And as we know, when Courtney was out of the room, Pat and Barb are, in fact, keeping something big from her. What that is, I have no idea. What what could possibly be so bad at this point when Courtney's already been through so much? What's so bad, to, in, according to Pat, in Pat's perspective, that he doesn't want to tell her? Uh, okay, one issue I had with this is that it seems like Barb knows a lot more than they've ever put on in the first season. Right. Do, but do you think that Pat is the, filling her in and telling her all these things now? That, that they're having that Brady Bunch moment at night where they're laying yeah. in bed and they're just telling each other things? Yeah, because they are. I guess if it was my daughter and she has been overprotective, not overprotective, but like we've seen it in the past. Tell me what the plan is. Do yeah. this, do that. Okay. At this point, she needs to be involved or otherwise she's a completely deadbeat parent. I mean, we've said that, like what parent honestly would let her like 15 year old child go out and fight crime unless she has some say she has to be the Alfred in this relationship at some point yeah. or the, uh, you know, Jarvis, if you will, who's, or the Oracle who's making decisions or, or saying, yes, that's something we should do or shouldn't do. Okay. Yeah. I, I buy that. But it, as far as the seeker goes, it's so hard. Like, because what, what, it, like what, what, it has to be the the dad thing again somehow. Okay. Okay. It, it's the only thing that, in my mind, like as a parent, would probably be the toughest thing to like tell my daughter if I wasn't her real dad. So you think that we are going to circle back to season one type things pertaining to her parentage, and we were led to believe last season that it wasn't even that important that her father was a loser. Yeah, because we're still like wondering what the like the what? Joel McHale, you yeah. know, intro yeah. week one was not t- hasn't been talked about yet. So and that was Starman. If he's not, uh, you know, if he's not Starman, who is he? Yeah, um, because it did it did make me think like what could Pat and Barb possibly be keeping a secret that is any worse than anything that's been going on so far. And it made me think you and I are aligned with our thoughts because I didn't think the dad necessarily, but I did think it had to be something very personal, intimate, something very personal to her, to Courtney. She's Eclipso's daughter. Or yeah. Does this mystery have something to do with her directly? And I would, I would, if you said it has to, it seemed like you doubted yourself, but I would I would agree with that if you want to finish that statement because I do kind of. But it's so weird because you think about like the first season and the setup and, you know, Pat and them meet in the town and then they move to this town and blah, blah, blah. Like how, how like that just seems too convenient. Yeah, it It, does. Especially if, especially since it seems like Courtney's entire adventure as Stargirl has been an accident for the most part. Like she stumbled upon the staff, the staff ended up, you know, 
acknowledging her. That's how she became Stargirl. So none of this is happening because of her necessarily. So I understand your doubt. Yeah, because it would just be weird at this point if they were just like, you know, well, Pat, Pat I, I, I seeked you out, Barb, and now and then I fell in love with you. Oh, yeah, that'd be weird. You know, like, because if not, like, it, it just, everything, like you said, is, it's a coincidence at this point. It's, it's, it's what's happened, and it would just almost destroy the whole first season if it wasn't that way. If Barb really knew the whole time or, or something like that. I, so it, it, that's the hesitation and speculation at this point. I mean, I guess it could be simply the true power of Eclipso. I mean, Pat did lay it on pretty thick in this episode. Yeah. So maybe it's something about Eclipso and what this character is actually able to do. Because he did play it vague. And I actually did like that description as well. Because as you know, the Eclipso is, a, is an angel of death. You know, an avenging angel. Mm-hmm. I believe he he was replaced by the Spectre. Is how it works in DC Comics. Is that what we said, right? During episode one, episode two discussion? I, I believe. believe so, yes. Yeah, so it's a, a big character with some deep history. So obviously they changed around some of the, the background for this character for the TV purposes, which is fine. But the fact that he said it's the very definition of evil, you know, something to that effect. So. I, I don't know. It'll it'll be an interesting see like to see how they play that out because it, it is going to be one of those things. Whatever decision they make is going to, if they don't make the right one, is going to ruin what they've built. Bottom line, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the show, even last season, but even more so this year. Are they focusing a lot more on villains? Because last season. They really built up the ISA members, especially, um, I always forget his name, I, Icicle, mm-hmm. the villain name. I forgot his real name. Man, man, Mankind? Mankind? Is that what it was? Mankind? Or na- Mankind? I can't remember. Yeah, no, I'm Let's just call him Icicle. Yes. I mean, they made his character so compelling and so interesting. And that reveal... You know, I want to say the last, what, three episodes that of what their agenda was. And their agenda was actually not that bad. Righteous? <laughs> it was actually a really good agenda. It was to give everyone medical care <laughs> and, there. and balance the field for people who are impoverished. They were going about it in a very diabolical means. But the, you know, the goal was to help people. So these villains from the very start have always been very complicated. and. And yet again, we have the shade aspect, which seems like it's going to be complicated. And then even what they did in this episode with two of our ISA members from last season, Sportsmaster and Huntress. But don't don't the villains have to be more complicated? Heroes are usually pretty cut and dry, you know? Yeah, it's I'm here for good. Well, we ta- I'm, I'm, or I'm here for revenge or I'm here to do this. That's what they're there for. The, the evil people have to have the plan. Yeah. And we've talked about that before that DC villains are always the best villains. That's why we love DC villains. Even Marvel doesn't have a lot of those go-to villains that you just cling to. So oh, I love these guys. These are my favorite villains. It's usually DC that you can just name an entire stable of really cool DC villains that a lot of us are drawn to. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of those are the rogues gallery for Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
and it, it just you know when you when you flesh out that many characters um it, it does work in your advantage uh when it comes to it because now you got me seriously thinking about like captain america and everybody else and it's not even spider-man has some but not as deep as but none that you root for like there are times where you find yourself rooting since you said batman yeah. let's just bring it there's sometimes where you you find yourself rooting for the joker yeah you yeah. know and yeah. there are stories where you you know other villains as well you're like yeah i can see his perspective dc you, you is, can see mr freeze's perspective yeah uh, Whereas uh, Carnage uh, in Marvel, like he's a serial killer, I don't understand him. Yeah, and, and even when you start dealing with like the goblins and everybody else from Spider Man, you're just like, yeah. oh, these guys are fucking nuts and on drugs. Yeah. So you do have these two characters, Sportsmaster and Huntress, that have no qualms about killing people when it comes to their daughter. There's nothing they wouldn't do to make sure she's protected, and I mean even even to the point where they are willing to protect their daughter from themselves, like choosing to go back to prison and then telling Artemis that she needs to stop visiting because all they're going to do is hold up her life and her potential. So it's an interesting direction to take those characters, but we'll see what happens with Artemis because what's going to happen when she doesn't have her parents. Well, or her whey protein. Exactly. It was that like it was yeah. at your household growing up. Oh, I was where's my fucking? I was like I was more into soy protein. Oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't soy give you tits? Um. Well, I like to play with titties, and <laughs> I not have an endless supply right in front of you. <laughs> so stupid. Um. That that though that scene between the parents in the house. Yeah. Also, the house in general, them not fixing anything <laughs> is the best part of the season. It makes me laugh every time yeah. that they have just like a board over where the Green Lantern cut through and everything else. But the scene between the two sets of parents and them having some kind of common ground. bond there. The common ground. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, it was acted well. It was written really well. And it was just funny. Like, why did you give working out? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? You, know, you let your daughter eat processed food, and you, you like you're just like, oh, look at them. They're actually bonding. Yeah. This is this is awkward for two people that just got out of jail and keep trying to kill them. Yeah, it's fun. These are the moments. Or I should say, those are the types of moments that bring the levity to the show. Because I had said this, I want to say episode one or episode two, I had said that this season's gearing up to be one of the darkest DC shows because it's, I mean, Eclipso is evil. And the fact that we saw like Cindy completely disintegrate her, her stepmother accidentally, there are some very dark aspects. So they got to remind people that this is also an uplifting show with optimism. That's what Stargirl is. And moments like that between the parents it brings that that levity. It helps slow down the dark path that we're going down. And, and you know what else it does? What's that? Helps the budget. It it does because, because it costs nothing to be in that set. Because we you know we were wondering about that, and it kind of it was there was nothing this week. Oh, you know what? You're right. There was absolutely nothing this week, visual effects wise. Yeah, Not except a- that very ending. Very ending of like a, a Snapchat filter over somebody. <laughs> like I've seen that Snapchat filter where it gets you all smoky. And I you have can a walk feeling through. those uh, VFX guys will going to be are going to be reaching out to you shortly. Uh, you, you like can, you, how dare you? Can you? At me at Crouch Creative. 
<laughs> is that like the the same? Is that a variation of giving someone the wrong phone number? <laughs> G- giving him Steve's Twitter? Yes. <laughs> uh, I took me a second. I'm 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 a UI designer. I know everything about it. At me, I can run the show. At me, Steve's gonna get all this hate. Dude, hate he'll feel tweets. he'll feel like people are listening to him finally. So. I don't talk about Stargirl. I talk about Titan. <laughs> What'd I say? <laughs> he would just argue with I don't do Stargirl. You mean Starfire? <laughs> no, Stargirl. Oh, oh, he would he would be so confused. He would. Yeah. All right. So where was I? What are we talking about? Oh, the Sportsmaster and Huntress. Yeah. I do I do like that they are bringing back those plot points from last season as well and giving us a little bit of closure while also pushing some new ideas forward. I feel like it, it feels more natural this way when you don't completely let character arcs fizzle just because the season ended. Like, yes, you have to bring to a close the main narratives and bring all those strands together from the different story arcs and different character arcs. But there's always going to be those outlying residual storylines. Yeah. And for them to bring that back, I just feel like it shows another quality, an aspect of quality when it comes to writing, not forgetting those things and then using them to strengthen um, the characters and the storylines that they're going to be using more predominantly in the current season. Yeah, no. And, and how else would they push her towards the Injustice Society. Yeah, they needed to do that because I already was gearing up to come in and complain about this ISA team being built. Like, come on, really? You're just going to easily recruit every kid from a member of the ISA just because their parents were bad makes them bad. I didn't really like that idea, but st- something like this makes sense because A, Eclipso's influencing people, number one. Number two, Someone like Cindy, or not Cindy, someone like Artemis, she needs her, her her parents. She is handicapped, much like Beth, but a more evil, more aggressive version. She needs them. She relies on them. And when you remove that from her life, suddenly she needs, someone like that needs to fill the gaps in with something else. So her joining the ISA now makes sense because if Cindy just recruited her, it would have felt too easy. Hi, I know. I saw you got cut by the football team. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you want to come play downstairs in the dungeon? <laughs> yeah, it, it would have felt very weak. So bringing the parents back for that purpose alone is great. Because yeah. it does make a lot more sense since a lot of this series is geared around family. Yeah, no, it it definitely does, and you're right. If they just would have done what I just joked about, it would have been fucking horseshit. And you got to take everything away from her. And now she knows her parents are coming back. They prove that the whatever the foster family is doesn't want to give her whey protein. Um, I was kind of hoping she killed them. I mean, come on, that foster parent is awful. Oh, that's the one that's cashing cashing the check. Um, yeah, um, to get the money. Um, yeah, it doesn't care about anything but getting the money. In fact, was she on the phone call saying that in front of her? Yes. Um, but the the fact is, you strip everything away from her, and she wants to belong to a team somehow, and it it just makes sense. Yeah, she needs purpose. Yeah, and a unit of some type. 
it it it's definitely working and you know you always wonder how they're going to get you know the the sun in with this yeah you know because do, do we want mike to turn bad it, do we want that do you have that picture without him doing this i mean it, because storyline wise mike what, if what, yeah. if your son went evil and you're on the good side like you think about all the the heartache and the drama and like the sister star girl and you see like the potential of the different storylines and there's like you're not bad i can switch you stop you know don't make me do this and and that struggle with the characters that are going to help them grow because that's one thing about being like a superhero not that i know um but you would figure you have to make some tough choices yeah when when it comes to like whether it's a family member a best friend somebody that just happens to do wrong are you just going to be like <laughs> Don't don't worry. That's my brother. He can he can do that. Yeah, you at home. Dinner's at five. Cool. All right. Uh, buy the milk. Don't steal it. Mom's gonna be pissed. Yeah. Don't don't kill the cashier, please. <laughs> it does make sense, and that's why I asked. Do we really want this? Because I like the character a lot, and it just it sucks because I don't see another storyline for him. So it's like, well, this is what's gonna happen. And it does make sense because he's fitting into that archetype that they're building in this show yes. for the ISA members. They're people who who are forgotten, yeah, yes. that don't have a place, that feel like they're being left out. They're legends. So stupid. And don't you ever bring up that show. <laughs> this show. <laughs> so stupid. Um, but he does fit. He absolutely does fit, especially because he even got rejected from the genie. Yes. It, it, in the and, end the genie left him and that's the thing and now now he's got to get fired from this paper route because people are not reading newspapers and then he really has nothing left his family doesn't want him to be part of the family business even though he wants to do it and then he's gonna look and the girl's gonna be pretty and he's gonna get a boner and he's gonna go fucking hang out with her well that's a good reason to become bad if the chick is hot it, it, yeah, th- there's many things that I'd be people recurred. would do for pussy. So. Listen, if I was an American soldier in the 80s during the Cold War, I would definitely sell my country out to a hot Russian spy. <laughs> Fucking Archer over there. Eh, whatever. <laughs> Big honest. <laughs> Why you don't put yourself in those situations. If you know you can't handle it, you, you, don't, off your wiener. you don't put yourself in those situations. And I would never put myself in that oh, situation so because only, only I would reason, sell out America for titties. <laughs> the only reason Mike didn't join the military That's it. because he would have he would have folded under the pressure of titty. I would have. That would have been season eight of Homeland. It would have been a guy who sold out his country because the Taliban that uh, you 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 always into a, that look. It was a bunch of hot <laughs> ladies with big boobs under those robes. The, the promise of the virgins yeah. got Mike. <laughs> All right, so I don't know where I'm going with any of this. I think we're about done, actually, with with the discussion, except Dr. Midnight being alive, apparently, at the end. We also had that reveal leading up to that, that Dr. Midnight's daughter was killed by Eclipso, which raised the stakes. But then we got the reveal at the very end, those last seconds, that Dr. Midnight, it would appear, is actually alive. Yeah, that, that was and a, that walking was, the wastelands of what is he trapped within shades darkness of a Snapchat filter? <laughs> <laughs> I 
will it disappear in 60 seconds? Like, uh, wait, wait, how long do we have on Snapchat? 24 hours, 24 hours to put it on your story. They better get to it. Yeah. It's going to have to rush. Um, (laughs) that is an interesting storyline. And a lot of it has to, again, it makes me wonder, like, is this how they get like John Wesley ship into it? Yeah. With, with, uh, Jay Garrick is because they're going to have to go back to somebody of the old guard. And maybe we find out that I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Ethan Embry. Maybe there's more of them that are just, that's where they are because we talked about like trapped. Yeah. Because we talked about world. Yeah. We talked about Ethan Embry. It's like, why bring in a actor that people recognize to be on screen for 37 seconds? Yeah. It does make sense for us to see them again. Yeah. So, so do you think that's uh, shades doing, or do you think that's something to do with Eclipso? Because it feels, it would feel weird if shade, it would feel weird for the writers, not for shade, the character. It'd feel weird for the writers to build up this, this relationship. You know, see, and I don't know enough, enough about the diamond to know if like, it's like the fortress or, 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 you know, something that we can capture people in. Well, maybe Eclipso has them trapped in like a perpetual, like illusion, you know? Yeah, maybe. Hallucinations, if you will. I mean, the cool thing is that at this point, it doesn't matter what it is. It's probably going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay. So season two ratings. This is interesting. Now, this will actually give us a better look at other DC shows as well on the CW because this is something we've been talking about pretty much on and off for the last, I don't know, five, six years, especially since the the downward spiral that is the CW ratings going from an average of 1.5 million viewers just three or four years ago to under 500 sometimes 300,000 viewers in an episode. I mean, at that point, why even make a TV show? 300,000 people, as you had mentioned, your Facebook page for DC on RMD has more people Mm -hmm. that are connected to that page than are actually watching (laughs) some of these episodes. Yeah, no, it's, it it is scary. When I started recognizing that on other shows, I was like, we're not, we're done doing these shows. Well, legends was like, wasn't legends like, at 350, 380,000 at one point. Yeah, then it jumped back up to 800. I mean, that's so embarrassing. Then, but, but Batwoman and stuff has been like 250. Yeah, down there. And yeah. so it's Supergirl and some of the other ones. So. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting little snapshot here. So now for the same day, the live plus um, same day that we talk about a lot, those numbers are easier to get. Uh-huh. These seven day ratings are usually tougher because the networks don't always release them. And when they do many times, it's either three weeks later, sometimes three months later. Now we have been given both numbers fairly quickly, which has never happened before. So now the same day numbers for star girl for this episode that we're talking about uh, is 679,000. It's under a million, which is sad because the average for last season was well over a million. No, 930,000, I believe, was the average when you take into account all of the episodes. So far this season, the average is 648,000 so far to date. And But we don't know about streaming numbers. We don't know. 
for all of them. However, this can give us a pretty good look at what we can expect from other shows and the type of numbers that they actually do add from all the streaming sources. So for the episode that only received 678,000, it actually, after the full seven days were taken into account, which is DVR. I don't know if this includes streaming yet, but this is DVR for sure. Yeah. 1.6 million. That's good. So yeah, it went up almost 400,000 from the same day numbers. So that gives us a pretty good look or some insight into how the ratings work possibly for our other DC on CW shows. I know this is something we have been talking about for quite some time. Like how many people are actually jumping? What, what, what's the, what does the snapshot look like? And I know Supergirl or not Supergirl, Superman and Lois wasn't a good example because they jumped like 500% almost every seven day snapshot. And that was because they were being syndicated on multiple channels, TNT, TBS, Hulu, um, and then of course HBO Max. So those numbers were just being hit from all over the place. But when it comes to a standard CW show that's not being resyndicated, to, to have an increase of almost four hundred thousand, that's not bad. And it does signal a big change. I want to say very very soon because if we're seeing that type of leaps in just a week, pretty much any day now. Broadcast numbers are just not going to fucking matter, even less than they do now. Because they don't. They they honestly don't. They just because none of none nobody in this network watches things live. Yeah, and that's fourteen hosts that review television shows. Yeah. So if this is just DVR numbers, what does those Hulu numbers look like? What are those uh, streaming numbers look like that we don't have? What does the, sh- the, the shitty CW app numbers look like? Uh, yeah. With some reason gives me Spanish commercials now. It's because you use a VPN for Mexico. Oh, orderly. Yeah. They think you're watching from Mexico city. <laughs> All right. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. We should get into our final thoughts though, but we do need to take a very quick break. We will be right back. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to DC and RMD, the Stargirl edition. Be sure to find us on iTunes, uh, search DC and RMD, or simply Stargirl edition, and leave us reviews and give us a five-star rating. Okay, Bob, start us off. Final thoughts, you can keep it brief, and your RMD score. Uh, Final thoughts are, again, I said it at the beginning, and I'm just going to say it again. This is how you do a filler episode. You, you it, it's it's a bridge. 
expand your stories, do what you need to do. Um, again, the fact that there was no special effects other than the Snapchat filter yeah, just shows that they can tell you. stories without going on. Uh, I will give this an 80. I, I did like it. I liked what they were doing with the characters. I liked where it was going. I liked that they, they keep fleshing out everything and not going to, again, you know, grandma's lost in the woods. Let's go find it. We don't need the, the people in the costume aren't that important all the time. Yeah. Um, the characters behind it, you know, the people behind it are. And so I, I like the way they were doing that. So 80. Okay. I'll follow that up with an 84%. I enjoyed the episode. I like what they're doing. Um, I all, honestly, I like the fact that I didn't even notice that there was almost zero usage of VFX. And the only reason I watched is because we were, it had been like a key like thing for us. Yeah. And so that's why I was more paying attention to it. If, if we had never mentioned that in earlier episodes about if like there was going to be budget cuts and they were going to cut certain things out, I wouldn't have noticed it either. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. They're holding on to that quality. And yes, there is less VFX possibly so far when you compare the first four episodes of last season with this season, but you don't notice it because the writing's tight. Yep. All right. This does bring us to the end. I want to thank everyone for listening and thank you, Bob. Hey, Mike. And good night. Who are you bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 